You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Uncommon Drive Podcast with Jeff Cross and Chad Ozy. Join us as we look at life, leadership, and legacy through the lens of sports officiating. And welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Drive. We're glad you've joined us again uh, as, we, uh, as we spend a little time talking and sharing stories and hopefully giving you some information that is helpful Uh, As you look at what it means to have an uncommon drive towards success in your life and in leadership Mm -hmm. and in the legacy that you're going to leave to others. Mm -hmm. My name is Chad Ozy, and I am joined by Jeff Cross. How are you today, Jeff? I'm very, very well. You know, I am uh, unless I said a couple weeks ago, I'm full beard into it and. I've uh, noticed that uh, there happens to be a few gray hairs in there. Ah, and by a few, he means several. It's distinguished. I'm distinguished <laughs> now. Distinguished. <Yeah. laughs> I love that. That's so good. Uh, yeah, so. It's uh, it's always so interesting, you know, when you see all these clean-shaven basketball officials in the off season, and you almost like do a, a double take. I remember mm. I saw Tim Daly last year in the off season, and I was like, "Hey, who's that guy over there?" So right. He's like, "That's Tim. Like, that's not Tim Daly." Yeah, that's Tim Daly. Tim Daly, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you guys just got that that total different look there. Well, and back when I went to umpire school, um, they had, Joe West came as a guest speaker one day or whatever. All right, it was, the cowboy, cowboy, right, cowboy Joe, which is now retired now, right? That's he's right. retired, and. I had no idea it was him because he was full on beard. Oh, really? He was full on beard. It was in the middle of the off season, yeah. you know. He just, you know, it was January. He was. I'm, I'm like, whoa. So, but I think that's what we do, right? We're like, oh I, I yeah. Think, you know, most people that are officiating in some way, shape, or form are waiting for that off time to be able to go. You know what? I'm not shaving today, so yeah. I'm taking advantage of that. Well, one of my favorite uh, MLB umpires right now is Ted Barrett. Okay, uh, I yeah. love Ted. And he had some pictures up this uh, this offseason. I mean, he looked like a full-on Grizzly Adams, and it wasn't distinguished. It was like the color of a baseball white, yeah. you know, like Santa everywhere. Claus, yeah, all, you right. know, he had he had that whole look going. And then uh, for those of you that uh, that saw it, he had the very first replay announcement that happened. So now crew chiefs mm-hmm. will actually, they, they're mic'd up yep. and they're going to give a replay announcement just like, you know, a football official would mm-hmm. or whatever. And, uh, there were lots of memes that were kind of funny out there that at the end of it had the old, uh, was it, uh, 
Tex or what are the guys' name that used to do that? First down. First down. That right, thing, you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Uh, they had that, you know, piped over the, it at the end after he'd given the little uh, the <laughs> yep. little response. But here's, you know, clean shaven, you know, yep. Ted. And just like the day or two before I'd seen on the thing, that, that's not how he looks anymore. Yeah, right. It's amazing stuff. what one razor can do. <laughs> it is. It can change our looks in a hurry. Interesting how, you know, if we think about it, um, I mean, football paves the way for that for oh, sure, for the 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 referees having a a, 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 a microphone mm-hmm. and then it kind of went to hockey and you know now it's it's even it was in, it's in basketball yep you know now it's going into baseball so it's uh it's interesting it just takes one person to say let's try something mm-hmm. and then all the other sports going yeah yeah that that'll work that'll work let's let's continue on you know they did the same thing in uh in uh, Big Ten basketball and, and I'm sorry, not Big Ten basketball, but Big Twelve basketball and SEC basketball. I think it was. Where, I think Big Twelve did it, but they did. Um, they for sure did. Whatever it is, speak talk. They announced when they went to replay or whatever it mm-hmm. was. Okay, ruling on the floor is uh, a common foul, and that's mm-hmm. been confirmed in video or whatever it might be, right? But they've even said, okay, now these some of these bigger conferences are putting people in major rooms with all the games on and they're putting two or three replay officials in that room. Yeah. And they're saying, okay, let's, we're going to try this. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting to see the game evolve that way where just as, just as a few years ago, there was barely replay at every division one school, yep. let alone now we're talking on the microphone. Now we've got them the official on the floor isn't even really doing replay. It's the one that is, you know, at the, it's sitting in some room in Texas. Oh yeah. Uh, just a few years ago, uh, I think we've shared on the podcast before I had Jeff go work a, a preseason mm. uh, minor league baseball game with mm-hmm. me. And uh, it was a lot of fun uh, to get Jeff back out on the field again and do that. And before that, we actually went to the the Big Ten headquarters. Sure did, yep. Which is literally right across the interstate mm-hmm. from where Impact Field is in Chicago, and so uh, we went over there and we got to see their what they call the command center. Yep. And there are more TVs than in any sports bar you've ever seen in mm-hmm. your life, mm-hmm. and they're all high def. And at all of these different uh, seating locations. There's all these little toggle switches and stuff where they can go back and forth and look at different screens and there's screens there at their stations. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing the way technology is, is making an impact on the game. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and we wonder why, you know, you know, we talk about it all the time and people still talk about it. You know, when are, when are we not going to need officials? And I mean, I th- still think we're a long ways away from never needing officials. We're still going to need some sort of human element there in some way, shape, or form, but they're working hard at, you know, letting technology do that. So mm-hmm. if you're not prepared to handle technology and you want to stay in the sport, you might be in trouble. That's exactly right. Technology is coming. Yep. And even in sports that have not been as embracing of the technology, you know, I would say of, of all the sports that are out there, baseball has always been considered the old school sport. Mm-hmm. You know, softball took, leaps ahead of where baseball was with some of the changes that they've made over the last several years and all. And baseball's been slow to come to the party um, with with replay and all those different things. And now that that's becoming more fully embraced, 
not just at the pro level where we've had that, you know, now for a few years, but especially at the collegiate level and moving down through uh, some of the different levels. I mean, there's there are, are JUCOs and NAI schools that have replay capability at their baseball field now. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it even changes the way that we approach things. You know, it, you you can't be so positive <laughs> when you're going to go to video. That's right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you, you can't look at that coach. And I, I had a play the other day and uh, I had, it was a bang, bang play at second. I was, I was working bases and, and I had that hand getting in just right before the tag on the arm. And we have a little different protocol now. The coach comes to the halfway point between third base and home or first base and home, depending on which dugout they're in. And then we go over to them. That's a COVID protocol thing where we have that conversation, right? So first, I didn't even see him come up because I just thought it was a no-brainer call. I had it. And so I wasn't even expecting an argument, you know. Mm-hmm. And I see him come out. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. You know, and I jog over there and I got, you know – I'm trying to be as engaging as possible, whatever. He goes, what? <laughs> I said, I agree it was close play, but I had this happening. And, you know, and then I had that happening. And he goes, are you sure? And I I made a comment that I've I've learned to use now. It used to be like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm certain. Like, I used to say I'm certain all the time, right? Okay. I, I had one person say, um, you know, as officials, we may not be right, but we're never in doubt. Um, that was the the kind of certainty, you know, right. that I would come I like over it. with, you yeah, know. Right. Mm-hmm. And instead, when he said that to you, I said, I feel really comfortable with that call. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because there's there's a big difference between saying I'm really comfortable with that call yep. because that's what I mm-hmm. saw from my angle, whatever, right? And I'm certain. Yep. Because I can be comfortable from that angle, but maybe the camera's got a different angle. It saw something different. And Mm so as we have our language that we communicate with coaches and players, you're exactly right. Having technology in our games, basketball, baseball, softball, football, any of them, it changes the way we need to communicate. Yep. Yeah, I remember, you know, I think I I don't know if I use I'm comfortable. Um, I think I use the phrase I feel good about that play. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel good about that call. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, but it's, you're right. We can't say, yeah, I know a hundred percenter got it right. You know what I mean? We may say that to our partners, you know what I mean? To kind of get them, listen, we know that we can't do anything about this play until we get to the locker room or, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. So you, you might say, yep, hundred percent or just to kind of get your partner going, yep, you did it. Don't worry. Let's keep plugging away. We, mm-hmm. Last thing we wanted, right. Is, uh, you know, hope you're comfortable with it. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Jeff, we're uh, we're going to get into the kind of meat of what we wanted to talk about today. And in our last podcast, we talked about this idea of of setting goals mm-hmm. or not setting goals. Uh, whether it's this idea of you know just making better, wiser choices every single day, and and how does that apply? And you know, we uh, we came to a, a place where we can agree to disagree, and, mm-hmm. and kind of say, you know, there's some people that that need that. You know, they need to have something sit out there in front of them that they can push towards. There's other people that that may be a struggle. That just may be too big a cloud hanging over them to have that. But they they need to be able to focus on, you know, making that wise choice every day that leads them to where eventually they want to be. And both sides probably need to take a little from the other. I would agree. Yep. You know, and mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably a healthy thing. You know, we when we often look at a, a pendulum of, of any kind, somewhere in the middle often is a healthier place than on any one side or the other, right? Yeah, because when you dig your heels in, just like what we talked about at the very beginning, 
baseball dug their heels in on, on replay. Mm-hmm. Well, they missed three years of advancement. Yeah. Because they had their heels dug in and, oh, we're old school. We don't do that stuff. Here we are. Now you're in the rearview mirror. Yep. Absolutely. And uh, today I'm, I'm excited about this topic um, that we're going to do. And so I, I'd like to start out by just asking you a few questions. <clears throat> we'll get some things going and then kind of get into it. Um, you know, you have a, uh, a fairly regimented year uh, in part because of sports fishing, but then also the things that you do in your other job with school. You know, so you got things that are just a, a natural part of your calendar. You're going to have the kickoff to the school year. You know, you got the kickoff to your basketball season. You have Christmas, which for you only lasts July through June, right? You know, <laughs> basically. <right. laughs> so, uh, so you got that, you know, and then, you know, right now you're in the midst of, of your baseball season, which mm-hmm. is a, a regimented part of your year. And, you know, so your, your off season or training season is a little diminished because of some of those other things that you do and the other focus you have with other sports. Let me ask you this. What, what are some of the challenges to taking on a new baseball team every year. Cause it's not like you got the same guys every year, you know, it, mm-hmm. at least a, you know, one class seven is going to be different every year. You know, what, what are, what's the challenge of, of a, of a new team? Well, my biggest challenge for new athletes that I get is not necessarily whether or not they can play. Okay. Uh, I'm not worried about that part because their skill level is what their skill level is throughout you know, whether on March 1st, all the way to May 1st, it's, you know, it may develop and get a little bit better and I can help them. I can help improve their skill level. For me, my biggest struggle when, when I get new kids is what's their academics like? What's their mental capacity like? You know, are they going to fold when I put the pressure on them? Those are the things I have to worry about. Skill level, I'm teaching everybody the same way on how to hit, mm-hmm. how to field the fly ball, and how to field a ground ball. It's all the same, whether you have 10 years of fielding ground balls or one year. But mental capacity, mental toughness, your academics. If I got a kid who you know needs me to spend more time working on, hey, got your geometry done, you know what I mean? Some, some of the things I know that that's just what I have to do in order to keep them involved in the game. Um, the same thing with, with the mental capacity. I, I can tell one kid, get your rear end out there and let's go. And I got to, you know, I got to understand that this other kid may be, Hey, Billy, you're doing a good job. Don't forget, keep hustling. You got to run out there. Right. You know, that's, that's our job. Things like that. So that's my biggest challenge from year to year is how do I talk to them? What deficiencies do they have? Besides just playing the game, I'm not even worried about it because I can coach that. Mm-hmm. I could teach them that in some way, shape, or form. Whether or not they grasp it doesn't make a difference. But I need kids that are that understand that when practice starts at 3.30, I need them out there at 3.30. When the, when the game's over, practice over, guess what? That just means that practice is over. We still have tarp and field work to do. So um, that's the most difficult part. And notoriously what happens is the first 30 days it's like breaking wild horses mm-hmm. right because they haven't uh, haven't been around they've dealt with different coaches or maybe they haven't played a sport all year long or whatever it is 
So it's like breaking wild horses, but once they're broke, you'd the other day after the game, no sooner it was over with, all I had to do was like give a home run signal and they knew to put the tarps on. Mm-hmm. We're good. We know what's going on. Don't have to teach them. They get it done in five, 10 minutes and it's done. Mm-hmm. And I've got five freshmen on the team. So, or maybe it's four, but whatever it is. So I've got a lot of young kids, but they all learn that in the first 20 to 30 days. You know, I found it interesting, even as we would meet each week to record the podcast or whatever, as we were moving towards the end of the basketball season, I could just kind of see uh, a little bit of an excitement hmm. and enthusiasm in you for the upcoming baseball season. Change, yep. You know, mm-hmm. and it, it's not that you weren't still excited about the work you were doing in basketball or that it was any less meaningful or anything like that to you. But what is it about something new, a new team, a new challenge, a new opportunity. What is it about that that for you is um, exciting, invigorating, What you know, what, whatever term that brings to you? Well, for me, the exciting thing is it is I have to educate myself on what I'm going to do. Okay. I can have my plan A, B, and C to do, but if I've got five kids that don't understand A, B, and C, now guess what? I get to try something new. I get to I have to do some research. How do I get through to A, B, and C? Mm-hmm. How do I get through to player one, two, three? So now I'm going to be educating myself, and I, you know, it's no secret that I love educating myself, opposed mm-hmm. to being educated, I guess. And and if I can find a way to get through those kids, I that is. When you don't do something for a very long time, six, nine months, Mm -hmm. and it shows back up again and it's something you enjoy, you're really looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. So forget teaching kids and forget educating yourself because that's something I enjoy doing. But I haven't heard the crack of the bat in nine months. Mm -hmm. Yep, it's 35 degrees outside. But that first crack of the bat, or that first time the kid shakes his hand and goes, oh, that hurt, coach. Mm-hmm. You laugh. You're like, oh, this is this is something new and refreshing. But if I had to do that 12 months out of the year, it would get very mundane, even though I still love the sound of the crack of the bat. Mm-hmm. But it's nice. You know, I don't. I also love being on vacation. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I love being on it for a week. I don't like much of it much more than a week. <laughs> but when that time comes, I'm looking forward to that change of sure. vacation. You know, I, I, love, I love going out to eat with friends and family, but I don't want to do it every night. Yep. So I look forward to those changes. And, you know, today, uh, when we're recording at least, is opening day of Major League Baseball. Yeah, yeah, go Cubs. And... Uh, I I love it because today may be the only time I can say all year long that my team is at the top of its division. <laughs> right, right. Right. You know, mm-hmm. there's there's that new promise. There's that new hope. And even though my team is picked to finish at near the bottom of everybody, mm-hmm. I think like there's only two or three other teams that have a worse chance of winning the World Series than my team this year. But, but there's still this idea. I have a friend of mine uh, who still lives in Kansas City, and he is just an absolutely die-hard Kansas City Royals fan. Loves them, loves them, and he does this fun thing every year 
where he posts his predictions for who's going to win, you know, the uh, the different awards, you know, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, all that kind of stuff. And then um, what the, the Royals record is going to be at the end of the season. And uh, for those of you that follow baseball at all, the Royals happen to have the number one prospect in all of Major League Baseball, Bobby Witt Jr. Uh, and he finally made the the big league team that we kind of wait for a couple of years. How soon are they going to pull him up? Cause mm-hmm. he's young, but he's good. His dad's a former big league pitcher and he's a shortstop, but he's going to play third base this year for us. And he's batting in the, the three hole today uh, for his very first major league game ever. I mean, you know, that's, that's huge, but it's pressure and, and all that kind of stuff. And so my friend Todd posted on there that his, his prediction for rookie of the year is Bobby Witt Jr., which makes sense. And his prediction for MVP is Bobby Witt Jr., which I thought interesting. His mm. prediction for defensive player of the year is Bobby Witt Jr. <laughs> his prediction for Cy Young award winner is Bobby Witt Jr. His <laughs> prediction for the Con Smythe Award is Bobby uh, Witt Jr. His <laughs> prediction for the NBA MVP is Bobby Witt Jr. Right. You know, is he the and, only guy who lives in Kansas City yeah. or what? And uh, <laughs> so he, you know, he kind of said, "Okay," he said, "We're all in." You know, we're all in on this guy. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and his prediction for the Royals is that they're going to finish the season 162 and 0. You know, and it just reminded me today of just that incredible optimism Mm. that comes with something new Mm -hmm. um and yet it's not just enough for something to be new you know because new fades quickly (laughs) new fades really really quickly um you know year and a half ago or so i bought a new car and not new but new to me you know a new used car that's how we buy them and i love that car it's been great i mean i have i've put over 80,000 miles on it in the last year and a half going to ball games. Right. And I love it. And I was coming home from a ball game in the city two nights ago and I hit a pothole on the way home at 60 miles an hour and I blew out a tire on mm. that car and uh, I pulled over on the side of the road changing a tire. Guess what? I, I did not have the excitement of new <laughs> at that point. I was like, you know what? These low-profile <laughs> tires are horrible. This is the seventh tire I've blown. I guess it's ridiculous. And I immediately sent out a text to the guy that I get my cars from. like, hey, we need to talk about me trading in my vehicle. Mm-hmm. Why? Because, okay, it's time for something new. And um, a lot of us, we look forward to those new challenges in our officiating career. I'm going to work on a new conference. That's exciting. Right. I get a new opportunity. I'm going to work a new level or I'm going to work a new tournament or, you know, I'm a baseball guy going from working two man to getting to work on a three man crew, three man getting to work on a four man crew. You know, all of that new is exciting. But I I have an interesting question for you today, Jeff, and whether you're going to use the baseball team to to talk about it or or any other new challenge that you've taken on your life, I would just be curious. How is it that taking on new challenges off the court, how does that or does it make an impact on the kind of official you are and the way that then you do things when it comes to your basketball season? Well, taking on new challenges 
off the court. It never fails when I take on something new, no matter what it may be, a new exercise program, new mental thought process, a new podcast, whatever that is, right? When I take on something new, it never fails, and I want to know how this new thing is going to relate to me in officiating. Okay. Always. So you're already looking for it. Yep. Okay, okay. how is this going to... Not necessarily make me a better official, but whatever. You know, is it going to progress my officiating? Will this be beneficial for my officiating? And as as I've said before, right, if you took officiating away from me, I wouldn't be the same person. Mm-hmm. So if I'm developing my uh, my personal things that I do off the floor, then it's going to affect my officiating. So... That's what I'm drawn to. When I'm drawn to something new, I'm like, man, how is this going to affect how I referee and how is it going to affect the people I referee with? Um, so that's that's where I go to, you know, and it's and it's even gone, you know. I spend I spend a lot of time, you know, in self development and self improvement, we'll call it, where, you know, I'll like I sent you that video or whatever it was and I'll, and during the season, I'll send other referees things, you know, hey, check out this book or whatever it may be. Well, now I do that. It started off, I do it for me, then I'd send it to referees. And now I find myself, now I'm doing it, and now I'm sending it to people, uh, educators in our school. Okay. You know, because if I can communicate better with teacher A, B, and C in the school, and I'm, and I'm working on that, I know that that's going to bleed into officiating come October, November. Mm-hmm. So if I can have a better communication through with my freshmen, and then that means that I know that I'm going to be a better communicator with my seniors, and I know I'm going to be a better communicator with my parents, administrators. Now, here it comes October, November, my coordinator, my partners. So, yeah, if it starts off for, you know, when I go into it, I'm going, okay, this is going to be great for my day-to-day things that I do from, from April to October, but it, it's not even two weeks into it. I want to know how it's going to affect my officiating. And that's something that I think a lot of us miss out on. Um, a lot of us look at the season, right? And so we prepare for the season. And when we talk about preparing for the season, we are preparing physically. You know, we're trying to be in good shape. We're, you know, if we're a baseball guy, we're watching pitches. Uh, If we're a basketball person, we're getting some jogs in on the court. So we know what that movement back and forth is like. We are, you know, in our rule books. We're in our mechanics manuals. We're going to camps. We're doing all those kinds of things. The vast majority of those things, it's easy for us to identify as being directly linked to what we do as officials. Mm -hmm. I'd like to suggest today that I think one of the greatest things that you can do as a sports official, basketball, baseball, softball, football, soccer, lacrosse, tiddlywinks, I don't care what it is. One of the greatest things that you can do for yourself as a sports official is to take on a new challenge. Mm. And... I'm even going to say this, take on a new challenge and even do something differently than you've ever done it before. Yeah. 
And the unique thing about taking on a new challenge, something that you've never done before, is that it it spurs you on intellectually, mm. mentally, in ways that those synapses have never fired before, right? You're somebody that, you know, works with your hands all the time and you build things and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden you're taking on the challenge of uh, being a speaker for the local boys and girls club. That's something way outside mm -hmm. your, your usual area. You're having to develop a whole new set of skills than what you've done before. You're somebody that works in an office you know, eight to six, because there's no nine to five anymore. Right? <laughs> you know, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. somebody that does that. And you say, you know what? Uh, instead of paying somebody to come build the shed in my backyard this year that I need, I'm, I'm going to watch some YouTube videos. I'm going to do whatever. And I'm going to build that myself. Mm -hmm. Or I'm going to take on a new challenge at work, working with a different set of people than what I've worked with before. I'm applying for this promotion because that's going to be a new challenge. Or I want to be in involved with this community organization that I've never done before, or I'm going to volunteer with my kids' sports teams, whatever those things are, when we are looking for opportunities to take on new challenges, and again, they, they can be at home, mm -hmm. right? You know, I, I, my, my wife normally takes care of the laundry and she's having to work extra hours uh, this next month. So for the next month, I'm going to make sure that Every single scrap of laundry I've taken care of. That, that's a new challenge. That mm -hmm. seems mundane. That seems mm -hmm. simple, you know, but that's an act of service. You, you're going to learn stuff. You're going to figure yeah. out stuff. You're going to realize, holy cow, how much of this stuff gets, you know, gets used at our house, or, you know, whatever, right? right? Taking on new challenges prepares us mentally in a different way, intellectually in a different way. Um, and there's oftentimes a rush of endorphins that naturally happens when we experience something new. And sometimes that's very positive. Sometimes it's ne we experience something new that's negative. There's this rush of stuff that pulls us back. Mm -hmm. There's this rush of something that is seen as a positive challenge. All of a sudden, boom, mm. we have this awesome impact. And now it not only affects what we're doing in that area, but it affects the way we respond to other people. We're more positive, we're more encouraging, we're more whatever. We now feel like we can tackle things that maybe we couldn't have tackled before, mm -hmm. right? And uh, with Jeff being the, the baseball coach that I know he is, I, so we had a, a kid on my son's baseball team when he was pretty young. This is like 11, 12-year-old baseball, right? And we had a kid who was faster than everybody else on the team. He could fly. Oh my gosh, could this kid run? There was only one problem with him. He couldn't catch a ball. Mm. He couldn't throw a ball. And he couldn't hit a ball. And in our league, we couldn't use him just as a pinch runner. Because mm. only got a kid that can fly. Oh, hey, that's our pinch runner. Here we go, mm -hmm. right? Right. Couldn't do that. So we spent weeks teaching that kid how to bunt. Right? I remember the very first time he laid down a bunt in a game. I think he was at first base before the kid had even picked up the ball. That's how fast he was. <laughs> and 
when he saw what happened, the entire dugout went nuts for him. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the stands went nuts for him. And he was so excited because he realized he had now taken on this challenge of learning how to bunt. And in doing so, now he was super valuable to the team. Because mm-hmm. guess what? This kid was getting on base almost every time. See you at third. That's right. Mm-hmm. And the moment he got on first, mm-hmm. he was going to be at third. That's right. Mm-hmm. If there's a pass ball, he's scoring home. And it was so amazing to watch the way er- he went from being the kid that mom and dad had to drag him to practice mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. being the kid that was trying to get mom and dad to get him there 15 minutes early for practice. Yeah. He went from being the kid that would sulk at the end of the bench at the dugout to now being the kid that was playing almost the whole game because even though he couldn't catch real well, he'd track down whatever baseball in the outfield we needed him to track down Mm -hmm. and he'd at least get it back in. Yeah. Right. You know, for us to be able to do something with. And, and as he got confidence in one thing, all of a sudden now he started being able to throw the ball better because he'd run and get that ball that he couldn't catch and he's throwing it. And now he's throwing better. And guess what? Now he's catching balls in the outfield. And by the end of the season, he's not just bunting. But now he spent so much eye-hand coordination seeing that ball all the way to the bat. Guess what he can do now? Now he can hit the ball. I can swing the bat, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. So now everybody thinks he's going to bunt and first and third are in, and now he's hitting the ball over the third baseman's head. Mm-hmm. And because he's so fast, he's turning it into a triple. Yeah, right. You know, taking on new challenges changes the way we respond to life in general. I would say this. The hardest part about taking on a new challenge is understanding when you take it on, you're not going to be any good at it. That's great. You're just not going to be any good at it. If you can accept that first fact, the rest of it will come. Because so many people, hey, we want you to learn how to bunt. Nah, I don't know how to bunt, so I'm not going to try. Mm-hmm. I just don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to do it. And they won't try it. I don't, I, I'm, I'm too afraid to get in front of 20 people and speak. So even though they may have the, the best knowledge to give people, it ends up being muffled because they won't take on a fear mm-hmm. of getting in front of 20 people because they're afraid someone might judge them. Mm-hmm. Someone might go, oh, not very good. Yeah, we're not very good. You know, it's just my first time. And... I am not I am by no means an excellent baseball coach. Okay? Mm-hmm. But I can tell you one thing I am. I am a way better baseball coach than I was six years ago. Mm-hmm. I know that. Players know that. Parents know that. All that stuff. Yes, I could be better. And it all depends how you judge me, right? Yep. Or you judge me by your, you know, your uh win wins and losses, or you judge me by Hey, my son went through four years of baseball with Coach Cross, and his first job he applied for, he got, and he got a raise within three months because of the things that he taught him in baseball. Mm-hmm. So all depends how you look at it. But I can tell you right now, if I would have said no six years ago, the improvements that I've made in six years would have never happened. I don't want to say never happened, but in myself would have never happened mm-hmm. because I was so afraid of those things. So. Except the fact that, okay, yep, I'm trying something new and there's a real chance I'm going to be no good at it. And I'll, I'll take that one step further. There actually is a chance that you would be good at it. 
right out the gate. Okay. Could I've, be. You know, I've been, uh, I've worked the line for however many years and they've just asked me if I'll take a promotion and step up and I'll be the foreman. And you know what? Maybe that's part of my natural gifting. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe that fits my wheelhouse and I will be great at it. Mm-hmm. But I will say this. When you're taking on a new challenge, you will always be better if you choose not to do it alone. Ooh, wait a second here. Talk me through that. So here's what I mean by that. Okay? So let's go back to when you became the baseball coach. Mm-hmm. Right? If you just said, well, you know what? I know how to coach baseball and I know what, I know what I'm doing and all, then let, let's say you, you may have been a, a B plus coach right out the gate. You were that good. But if you reach out to the teachers who know those kids, Hey, help me understand these kids. You know, there's one kid mm. I'm, I'm having a difficult time motivating. Help, help me with this. You reach out to other coaches in the area. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time dealing with this particular umpire that always shows up at my field. Is there anything that's worked well for you? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm really struggling getting my, my field playable, mm. you know, for this or whatever. Can you help? So it, it takes a level of humility mm-hmm. to be able to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and maybe that new challenge that you're doing is doing the exact same thing you've always done in a new place. So let's take it back to officiating. All right. Uh, Jeff works in the Big Ten. No problem. All of a sudden, Lisa calls him up for this next year and says, Jeff, I've really got I've got six big matchups in the SEC. I'd really like for you to come work next year. Okay. All right. Those are open dates I've got. I'd be more than happy to come work those games. Right. Mm -hmm. If you walk into those games thinking that, you already know everything you need to do. You already know everything you need to know. Mm-hmm. Are you going to be a competent official on that game? Sure you are. But are you going to be as good as you could be? Right. No, because there are other people working that game with you that know those coaches really well. Mm-hmm. That know those facilities really well. That know the the gatekeepers, right? Oh, mm-hmm. hey, the guy that's going to come into the locker room, you know, 20 more minutes before we go out, he's he's the guy that he's going to have all the info. He'll keep us out of trouble. He's going to be at the table. He's going to do whatever, right? You getting that information makes you so much better. Mm-hmm. And you only get that information if you're willing to not do it alone. Humility is the key word that I've heard here, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to be humble even though you've as you say, oh yeah, I could do it. I've played baseball for years. We've all done it as there's a hundred officials out there and out of a hundred, they go, yeah, I can umpire baseball. What do you know? I know I played it for all the way through college. I know everything about it. Yep. And they walk on and they do it alone. They try to do it alone and they're, I don't want to say epic fails, but no, they're fails. Yep. And they can't figure it out. Why? Because we're not humble enough to say, I'm trying this. Mm-hmm. Even though I have played baseball for the past 20 years, or I coached my son's team through Little League, Pony League, and Colt League at Palomino, I'm ready to be a high school coach, and you're not very good at it. So yeah. humility is a, is a key point to all of what you said. Absolutely. And, you know, part of the reason why this has been so interesting to me is I have 
I've had some conversations with some officials who kind of said, you know, I love officiating so much. I do, I do the other stuff in my life so I can clock out and I can go officiate. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. On, on face value, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. That'd be the same as somebody saying, I love going bowling. So I work my, you know, I, I work my job and I hang out with my family and I do that so that I've got discretionary money that three nights a week mm-hmm. I'm at the bowling alley and yep. I'm having a blast with my friends and I'm a good bowler and there's nothing different. If, if, if we're looking at it as, you know, kind of that, that hobby thing that we do or whatever, that's, that's awesome. But if we want to look at being uncommon in the way we officiate, if we want to be uncommon in life, in our families, in everywhere else, if we are not pushing ourselves, stretching ourselves, taking on new challenges, there are elements of ourselves that we are not going to develop. Mm-hmm. And that means we're we're gonna leave something on the table. You know, if you're somebody that says, Man, I just don't feel like I'm a I don't feel like I'm as good a communicator as an official as I need to be. Well, what new challenge can you take on off the court that's going to push you to be a better communicator. You know, whether it's joining the the local group that, you know, gets together once a week and gives speeches to each other. Yeah, what do you they know? call that? They still TED have those or, groups and that what, kind of stuff. What is that called? Not TED Talks, but you're right. It's mm-hmm. uh, Ro- Toastmasters? Yes. Toastmasters, there, there we yep. go. You know, I mean, there's, there's groups out there that do that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe it's... You know, maybe it's just, you know, at your job, you know, taking on something that pushes you because when you when you take on something and you find success at whatever level, that spurs you on to do more things in all areas of life. Right? You know, I I remember being a kid getting the training wheels off my bike for the first time. Mm -hmm. Right? And all of a sudden, not only did I go from just being able to ride without training wheels, but now I was a whole lot more confident when it came to, we had these little ramps built Mm -hmm. in this little empty lot and they were dirt ramps, right? Not like today where, you know, you, but you know, just these little dirt ramps, man, I don't think the training wheels were off my bike for a week and I was already trying out those ramps. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why? Because I'd already experienced success. Yep. And now here's something new I'm going to try. Yeah. Well, and, and now I'm confident enough that, you know what? I I can go play ball with the bigger kids mm-hmm. because now I am a big kid. Mm-hmm. You know, my training wheels are off. Right. I can go do that. Mm-hmm. And playing ball has nothing to do with riding a bike. Yeah. But I felt like I could because I tackled a new challenge. Yeah, that's good. You know, and so I think that when we do that, whether it's at work, at home, with our friends, at your church, at your community organization, whatever, when you take on a new challenge, it's going to make you better on the field or on the court. Yeah, that's, I guess my question to you would be, it's easy to say, right? Hey, take Mm -hmm. on a new challenge, it'll make you better, but... We all know there's tons of people out there that don't want to change anything from what they do Monday through Sunday. Yep. They want it all to be the same. Yep. Because it took them five years to get it to where now life is easy. I get up at 7. I have my coffee at 7.15. I'm in the shower by 7.30. I leave at 8. At work at 8.15. And then I punch out. And then I go home and I 
sit on the porch. So I'm not about to change anything. What can we do to encourage more people to say, you know, let's go try, let's take the training wheels off here. Let's go do something that you don't normally do that maybe you're afraid of doing or just accepting a new challenge. Well, you know, the first thing I'd say is there's, there's one word for what you just described and that's common. Cause you just said yeah. there's lots of people out there yep. that want to do this. Well, when most of us or lots of us do it, that means it's a common thing, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Be uncommon. Mm-hmm. I don't think 50 people out of a hundred would choose to do this. Yeah. Maybe one out of a hundred mm-hmm. would choose to do this, but that one out of a hundred that chooses to do it is going to find incredible benefit from it mm-hmm. mentally physically in every way everything I, right i, I mm-hmm. just say what i just think the what happens to you physically when when you even if you if you tackle something hard you know hard 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 mm-hmm. and you're not even as successful as you would like to be at it but just the fact that you completed it mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah one, one of my memories that i love joking about all the time uh we put together uh one of those like little uh plastic kitchens oh for Mm -hmm. for one of the the cousins one year for christmas and you know you buy it in the box and it looks like you're just going to open the box and (laughs) slide it out and it's going to work right yeah that's right you open it up and there's like all of these like plastic grids where you have to snap everything off and there literally over 200 pieces oh to this goodness. thing. Yeah, right. I wasn't even the kid that liked Legos, all right? <laughs> right. Much less doing anything that I had to follow instructions about or whatever. Right. Come on. And it took hours to do it. And, you know, you're up into the wee hours of the morning on Christmas Eve mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. And it's frustrating. And you cut your finger on this little piece of plastic that ended up sharp when you broke it off. Mm. And now, now that we don't want them to do, you know, now you're trying to fix it or do whatever. All that stuff's going on. But the look on their face when they opened the package the mm-hmm. next day, yeah, made all of it worth it. Yeah. Yep. I'd have gone and built another one mm-hmm. after that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, when when you take on a challenge and you do it. It makes an impact. It's a ton of fun. We're we're coming up on Easter, and uh, in my family, we've done this fun little Easter hunt, Easter egg hunt, uh, with the kids every year. So there's uh, my sister has a, a daughter uh, who's uh, who's now a preteen. She's a, a twelve year old. Uh, my uh, stepsister and her husband have a, a daughter in junior high and a son in high school, and then I have. Uh, uh, two kids in college. Mm. And so the deal was, is that you would be a part of the Easter egg hunt until you graduated high school. Then after that, then you got to be one of the hiders rather yeah. than the seekers. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, my daughter's first year that she was supposed to be a hider rather than a seeker. She, uh, she'd missed out on the year before because of COVID. Like we hadn't been able to do the big family get sure. together and everything that year. Right? right. So like we extended her by one year. Oh. Okay. Well now this year, both of my kids should be that. And everybody in the family, I'm not just talking about them. Like everybody in the family has adamantly said, Oh no, 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 no. They're still hunting for eggs. Why? Because one of the things that we do every year is the aunts and uncles 
we each take one color egg because each kid has a certain color egg that they're allowed to find. Okay. All right. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the kids know which of the adults makes it hardest to find the eggs. And it becomes like this badge of honor to have one of us that make it difficult, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You know, be the one to hide the eggs. And so it's a challenge mm-hmm. every year, right? To find that, to find those last two or three eggs. It's a challenge for the adults that are hiding them to be the one that makes it difficult. Yeah. You know, and then you got grandma and grandpa coming behind and they see one that's too difficult and they take it and move it and make it easier to find, you know, <laughs> right, whatever, right? right? Yeah, it's, it becomes this challenge. In fact, if any of you out there have a drone, you know, that has like one of those little like bomb doors, I really need a drone for this year so I can hide one on the roof. Oh, um, that's what I'm hoping to do. So if anybody <laughs> wants to loan that to me for uh, Easter weekend, I'd be more than happy. Uh, Uncommon Drive Podcast at gmail.com. You're also going <laughs> to need a ladder way. for the kids to climb up there. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's the kind of thing where it seems like just this silly little thing, right? Mm-hmm. I, I didn't take on a new position at work. Mm-hmm. I didn't go start a new hobby or whatever, but just the the fun of taking on a new challenge or trying to keep my nephew Levi, who's a high school junior, from finding these eggs that mm-hmm. that I hide. It, it's it's a rush. It's fun. Yep. For the kids, taking on the challenge of trying to find them is fun and a challenge and, and the, it makes you better. Right. The end of the challenge is right. We, we feel some, some success, mm-hmm. you know, you, okay. Yeah. You didn't set any records for the fastest mm-hmm. Easter egg hunter, but you understood that, you know, your task in, in front of you was not going to be easy and you still got it. It reminds me of the story of, um, so I believe it was two years ago now. And if I've told a story in the podcast, let me know. But whatever, I'm telling it again because I think it's a great story. <laughs> so it does no good for me to tell you. Hey, yeah, Jeff, you why tell don't me. you tell a story? Yeah, you're like, listen, these guys have already heard it. So <laughs> i tell you what. If I've told a story on the podcast, then I want you to email the podcast and say, Jeff, we've heard that story before. It's old news, dude. <laughs> we had a junior-senior field trip day. Okay. And it, it was canoes. So... Um, with COVID, all that got pushed back to this time of year. Mm-hmm. So it was a cold spring type day. Um, and we had to find something to do outside because, you know, back then nobody could be inside. So this mm-hmm. was, this was the plan. And it literally, it was a, it was a downstream trip that was, I'm guessing around three miles, mm-hmm. maybe two, you know what I mean? But it's not very far. It's downstream. And it was a cold 45, you know, kind of a windy day. It was, you know, it wasn't the perfect summer day. Mm-hmm. Out of all the juniors and seniors we had, we had, I don't know, I'm going to round out and just make easy numbers, say 20 people. Okay. I had myself and two uh, students with me. One had a broken leg. Mm. So basically she, she wasn't able to, to work. So it was just me and the other one. And then everybody else had two. Mm-hmm. Everyone else had two people, whether two students or chaperone student, whatever it was. So if we've got, so I'm going to bump these numbers, say 20 people. So we have 10 canoes, we'll say. Mm-hmm. Out of these 10 canoes, there was only about three that finished this canoe trip. Wow. To the finish line. Now, they were, it was tough sledding. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. It was not an easy trip. 
We had many of them that, you know, went to the first pit stop. They got out. They didn't want to go back in at all. We got back in. They, they went just literally hundreds of feet after the first pit stop, pulled over, called me and said, hey, we quit. We quit. We quit. So those somebody's, the moral of the story is the three to five people, three canoes, whatever, I was one of them, um, that finished. So we'll say six kids out of 20 or 25 kids that finished. Every single one of those kids walked and talked differently mm-hmm. for the next week. Yep. That's all there is to it. No one belittled the other ones because they didn't make it. But they all, every single one of them, yep, walking in. Good morning. Hey, good job on that canoe trip. You know what I mean? We finished, you know. we Yeah, we didn't set any records, but we finished. And I can't speak for the ones that didn't finish, but I feel like some of them had some regret. Mm-hmm. Because they, they, you know, so what? Even if you, because you get it set in your head that on this canoe trip, okay, if we can't just do it all in one fail swoop, then we can't do it. We have to stop. We're shutting it down. Instead of going, you know what, let's just go 200 yards, pull over, take a break. Mm-hmm. Let's go 200 more yards, pull over, take a break. We'll make it. But instead, we just shut it down. And we had chaperones that were on board with shutting it down. Mm-hmm. Because that is the very easy thing to do. That's right. And it's it's amazing how one simple canoe trip changed the way six people lived the rest of their senior year or the rest of their junior year and maybe how it affect them when they went on to college a simple canoe trip did that and i think we need more of that yep um i'm not sure how we get to it but that is if if we saw more of that around our youngsters i believe the older generation would not be so afraid of the future yeah and the only way we're going to see that with our youngsters is if we are the ones that are modeling it for them. Mm, yeah. You know, so maybe today as you're listening to this podcast, maybe the the new challenge you're going to take on is just striking up a conversation with somebody that you normally wouldn't strike up a conversation with. Maybe it's that thing that you've been seeing people do online. You're like, you know, I'd really love to learn how to do that. And, but you put it off, put it off. You found mm-hmm. excuses for why you couldn't do it. Maybe that's what you do. Or maybe... It's just literally taking the training wheels off. Maybe there's been an area of your life that you've just been as safe as possible with. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's time to make it a little bit more challenging. uh, Take that little step of faith and uh, and see where it takes you. Maybe there's a better way. Yep. Maybe the way you've been doing it works just fine for you. But if you're willing to try something different for 30 days or whatever that time frame is, and you go, whoa, this is way easier on me. You've spent the past 10 years fearful of change when it's one try away from being so much easier. Absolutely. Everybody, as you head out to the baseball field this week, we Mm. hope that you go out with new enthusiasm and excitement as you're preparing for off-season basketball camps that are coming up quicker than we realize. Uh, I hope that you are, are ready and raring to go. And overall, I hope that you are uncommon in your drive towards success. Have a great day, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to the Uncommon Drive Podcast. Be sure to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And be sure to leave us a five-star rating.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.